All right, well, let's get started. We are continuing in our uh, King's Speech series. Actually, next week is going to be our last week in the series. Uh, but we're going to hit uh, uh, one more of Jesus' uh, teachings from this uh, great sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. If you're following along in uh, one of the Bibles from the rack, it's page 812, page 812. And, um, and so uh, we're, we're going to dive into this. Now, this is one of those passages that uh, you'll recognize. Who here has ever seen the movie Casablanca? Anybody ever seen Casablanca? Yeah, it was one of, one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies. It's a great movie. And uh, one of the reasons that Casablanca is so great is because it has at least, I don't know, a dozen to two dozen quotes, famous quotes that are in that movie that you may not even realize are from that movie that, because it's just full of these quotes that have kind of worked their way into our language as a society. And, uh, and so, but Casablanca is absolutely full of them. And, and, and if, if that's the only reason you watch the movie, just to, say, just to go, oh, that's where that came from, that's where that came from, it'll, it's a cool experience to watch it. But the Sermon on the Mount is a lot that way, where... If, if out of all of Jesus teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, in my mind, comes across like a Jesus greatest hits of teaching. I mean, it's just it's just these. And, and again, you don't have to be like super plugged into church or a Bible study, you know, nerd or whatever to to appreciate it. Like these are phrases that have just worked our, their way into our everyday language. A lot of them. And uh, and again, this is going to be one of them. So before I get there, though, before we dive into the passage, in Matthew chapter 7, I want to tell you a little story. So uh, when I was in the Army, which was in the mid-90s, um, I was stationed at Fort Myer, Virginia, which if, I don't know if you know where Fort Myer, Virginia is, but Fort Myer is the post, the Army post, that is directly adjacent to it, butts right up to uh, Arlington National Cemetery. And so that's where I was stationed. So right there in the Washington, D.C. area, right there at Washington uh, uh, or at Arlington Cemetery, that's where I was. I was, I was the chaplain assistant for the, what they call the old guard. It's the ceremonial official escort to the president and ceremonial unit for the army. So the old guard does things like all the, uh, um, uh, um, I'm losing my train of thought, the, the funerals at Arlington with the horse-drawn carriages. They do the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. They have a rifle drill team. They have the Fife and Drum Corps. Uh, um, you know, there's on and on and on. There's just all these kind of ceremonial uh, capacities. They do White House arrival ceremonies from foreign dignitaries. And, uh, and so it was not uncommon for me to have the opportunity to meet, you know, kind of well-known people, whether they're political figures or, you know, Hollywood stars or, you know, people like that that maybe were filming a scene in Arlington. Uh, and so... I actually got to meet the president twice while I was in the old guard. It was President Clinton at the time. And uh, it was a very cool experience to meet the president if you never met the president. It's just, there's something, you know, regardless if you like the guy or not, it's just a cool experience to meet the president. It's kind of an honor, you know, you just feel honored to meet the president. And I remember uh, he, the first time I met him, he was on post uh, at the chapel where I worked uh, for a memorial service. Some, several Marines had been killed when a helicopter had gone down and they were doing a memorial service there at Fort Myer and he was going to give some remarks. And so, uh, I mean, we had, you know, the whole chapel was just spit and polished. Everything was in its right place. So, you know, we were buttoned down the whole, the whole nine yards secret service had come in and set up all their metal detectors and, you know, uh, just, just done their thing. And it was just a very, you know, heavy, heavy day, you know, like, like every, everything had to be just perfect. And so we form a line uh, just inside the chapel, the front doors of the chapel, all of us that worked at the chapel. The president comes in, he comes in, he shakes all of our hands and thanks us for our service and that sort of thing. And very cool. So then we are instructed <coughs> to go back to our offices 
<coughs> pardon me. We go back to our offices and, uh, and we're, you know, there's a hallway basically between our offices and the chapel, the, the sanctuary area. And um, so we're told just hang out back here if, in case we need you and keep it really quiet and respectful, no loud noises, no laughing, you know, that sort of thing. So we're all, again, just trying to be on our best, you know, uh, behavior and sitting back there. And so I'm sitting at a desk and I hear really loudly in the hallway, <coughs> I hear somebody start to sing Amazing Grace, like way louder than what the moment called for. Like we were, again, we're behind the stage area and we're trying to keep everything quiet. And, and so I do this thing, I get up and, and you know how you grab the door, you know, the frame of the door and kind of lean out and look. So I, I do, I grab the door frame, I go, shh, and I shushed President Clinton. He was out there singing Amazing Grace. He's out there singing Amazing Grace. And I go, shh. And I was, oh, sir. And he, he gets this real sheepish look on his face. I was like, no, you go ahead. You just keep singing as loud as you want. And I ducked back. I was so embarrassed. And he was embarrassed and the whole thing. I'm just guessing, though, like, the, you know, the, the leader of the free world doesn't get shushed that often. Right, right? And, and that's not something that, that's an everyday occurrence for the president. And so... It was, it was just this, this, you know, moment where I felt, uh, completely outside of my station, right? Because here I am being, uh, bold enough to shush somebody who was, uh, you know, uh, authority and power wise, uh, especially when it comes to the chain of command in the military, far, far above my, my station as a private, right? And so, uh, it just, just, just that feeling. And I don't know if you've ever felt, you know, something where, you're around somebody uh, that's a power. Maybe it's the CEO of your company. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a, a, a dignitary in town or, or, or whoever it may be, but somebody with some level of authority. And you're hesitant to presume uh, to be uh, too bold in front of them. You know, you want, you want to kind of maybe approach more reserved, more respectful, that sort of thing. So Jesus gives us this teaching today that we're going to look at on prayer and he actually tells us to do the exact opposite of what might come natural, which is he instructs us that when we go to God in prayer, pray boldly. You're, you're, you're addressing not just the leader of the free world. You're addressing the creator of the universe, the one and only true God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God of the universe. Pray to him with some level of boldness. And so let's look at what, what Jesus says here. Um, we're in Matthew chapter 7, and well, I'm flipping around here. Verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, I love Jesus' candor here. If you then who are evil uh, know how to good give, give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And then he, he, he wraps it up with this phrase that we read last week. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And he says the law and the prophets, uh, the law and the prophets were actually two sections of the Hebrew Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament. And, uh, and he says, if you want to sum up everything that's in the Bible as you know it, it's 
do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So he gives us this, this teaching to be, you know, to, to ask, ask and you'll receive. Now, I don't know how, what your, what your history is with church or with faith or, or whatever, but uh, the church tradition I grew up in, we were kind of taught to, that when we pray, we, we shouldn't pray necessarily selfish prayers, right? So like, for instance, I, I uh, played basketball in high school. I was not the guy before the game praying that God would allow us to win that game because I knew there were probably some, you know, dork on the other side of the uh, court praying the exact same prayer and God didn't love me more than he loved him. And so that might not be, you know, the most appropriate prayer or whatever. And, and, uh, and so I just, I, I didn't pray very selfish prayer. I didn't pray prayers, you know, asking for material things, that sort of thing. But I, I did that almost to a fault. Like, you know, we talked often about how the pendulum, pendulum will swing in directions. In my world, the pendulum had swung so far that my faith was just very small. I kind of grew up not believing that God could accomplish God-sized things. On the other hand, maybe you grew up in a tradition where that was regularly encouraged, ask God for anything and everything, big things and small things, and, and, uh, and just very kind of faith-filled, and uh, maybe even grew up in a, uh, what they call a, a prosperity gospel type, type of tradition, name it, claim it tradition, where where, you know, anything you ask, I mean, Jesus says, if whatever you ask, uh, you'll receive. So go ahead and ask away. And so maybe I'm suggesting this morning, maybe there's some, some sweet, holy middle ground between those two extremes. And what, what is that kind of prayer, prayer request sweet spot for us, right? Like what, what is it appropriate for us to ask? What's not appropriate for us to ask? And so, so we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but right now I want I want us to, I want to hit you with uh, uh, a core value statement that we have. LHC has, has 10 core value statements. And the 10th one is this. We'll put it up there and it looks like this. It says, we will pray bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. With God, playing it safe is risky. It's a, it's a core value statement of our church. We're going to pray bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Why do bold prayers honor God? Because that's when we pray for bold prayers and pray for bold things, big God-sized things, it is us uh, having kind of a confession of faith moment where we are saying, God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're as big as the Bible claims that you are. And I believe you can accomplish God-sized things in my life. It's a step of faith. That's why it honors God. It's a way of us telling God, expressing to God that we believe you are capable of more than we are capable of. Like, can, can I just tell you for a second? If, if you think that God can only accomplish the things in your life that you could probably accomplish on your own with maybe just a little extra help, your God's too small. Your God's too small. I don't want to serve and follow a God who is about as powerful, maybe just a little bit more than I am. I need a God whose power transcends my own, who has more ability and capability and ingenuity and creativity and love and compassion and justice and everything else rolled into one. I need a God whose, whose capacity for all of that completely dwarfs my own. That's the kind of God I want to serve. And when we pray bold, big prayers, we express to God that we believe he's that kind of God. Let me give you an example. Like I told you that, um, that for me, 
praying for big things, especially for myself, didn't come naturally. Uh, my, my faith was somewhat small. It used to be really kind of small-minded faith. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, I would pray for big things on behalf of other people. But I just had, I had trouble praying for those. In fact, it didn't even occur to me to pray for big things on my own behalf. An example is this. About three or four years ago, we, uh, we, we kind of called for um, a kind of healing service. Now, we're not, we're not a you know, uh, Pentecostal-type church, a real charismatic-type church or anything like that, but we believe God can heal. And I, I, did, I, j- I just came before you as a congregation. I said, uh, this, is what, this is what we want to do next week. We're going to ask God to heal some things in your life that you need to be healed of. Maybe it's uh, some, uh, something emotional in your life, some brokenness or something that you just need to be delivered from. We, we're going to give you an opportunity next week to just uh, submit yourself to God and ask for healing in that area. Let the elders pray over you. And, and that maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe you've got an illness or a disease or something that you want to be delivered from. We're going we're gonna to give you the opportunity to step, make a step of faith and ask God to do that. And, and so, we did, so we did that. We, a week later, we called uh, for people. If you've got something you want to be healed of, let us pray over you. We want to just we want to believe God is who He says He is, and He can do what He says He can do, and uh, and take a step of faith like that. So, uh, in the week that transpired between those two Sundays, um, it, something occurred to me that had never occurred to me. My wife Jamie um, has for years and years suffered from co- chronic sinus infections. She's had like five or six surgeries. Uh, her sinuses are pretty much just just blown out. She has no sense of smell at all, and uh, and at the time. Uh, this chronic sinus issue, like who here has ever had a, a like a, just a normal sinus infection? It's, it, if you if you've had one, it's miserable. The headache, the, not, the ability to not breathe, you feel like you're constantly gasping for air. The whole thing is absolutely miserable. And Jamie lived in that state twenty four seven, three sixty five. I mean, she just lived in. It wasn't like a, a sickness that would come occasionally. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. The woman could not breathe, and, and 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 but she just you know if you know Jamie, she drove through it like a trooper, right? I mean, nothing stops that little woman. And so she she was she was great. But during that week between those two Sundays that I just talked about, it occurred to me <coughs> that I had never asked God to deliver Jamie from that illness. I had never it had never occurred to me to ask God to potentially heal Jamie of that situation. And and suddenly I felt bad that. You know, I had never asked God to heal my wife of something that she really, really, truly struggled with, and and uh, and so, so I talked to Jamie about. It. I said, you know, we've never we've never done this, and we, sh- you know, we we should exercise that same kind of faith that we're asking other people to exercise. And so that Sunday, uh, had Jamie come forward, and we we the elders gathered around and we prayed for. Her. She had an upcoming surgery just a week or two later, uh, another sinus surgery, and so the, but the doctor, you know, the the whole routine was we'll get in there, we clear out your sinuses. But then literally within a week or two, they're filled back up again, and you're just miserable again. That was her whole cycle. And so we just asked that this would be Jamie's last, last surgery, that, that, that God would just heal her, that, that her sinuses would not you know, go bad again, and, and that he would just deliver her, her of this. And so again, I said that's three or four years later. She hasn't had a surgery since. She breathes fine every day. And, and we believe that God literally delivered her of that, and that is awesome. And we give him praise for that. It is a great, great thing. The doctors had told her all along, this is something you'll just deal with your entire life. you just got to get used to it. And, but she's delivered. It's trusting, God for, it's trusting God for big things. Now, I'm not God, and I don't presume to know the mind of God, and who knows what else he has in store for Jamie down the road. But for now, we give him all the praise and all the glory for what he's done. 
And if he had chosen not to heal her and just have her live in that condition, we would still give him the praise and the glory. It would not impact our faith in the slightest. We still love him and serve him. But I want us to be a people. And I think, I, I got a hunch, that you all want to be a people who believes God for big things and sees God show up in your life in big ways. Like that's, I want to experience that kind of faith. I want my faith, my own personal faith to grow in such a way that I have the uh, spiritual gift of faith, the ability to believe God for big things, things that are beyond me, things that I can't explain or accomplish on my own. And so we want to be a church that will pray bold prayers. Why? Because bold prayers honor God. They honor who he is. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Many of you I've seen pray bold prayers uh, across this congregation. I, uh, Colette had reminded me earlier that, uh, uh, you know, Miss Jessie, our office manager, she uh, early last year began to pray that Living Hope would be in its own building by the end of the year. And here we are. Here we are. We believe God can accomplish more than we can accomplish ourselves. And so let's become a people, a church, who will live by that mantra, who will live by that, that ideal that God is bigger than we are and he's a good God and he desires to give us good gifts. Now, hear, hear that for just a second. Let that, let that statement kind of wash over you. The God of the universe, the one and only true God, the holy, 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 loves you, cares about you, and desires to give you good gifts. I don't know how that hits a lot of you. Maybe some of you are like, ah, I don't deserve any good gifts. And maybe others of you are like, sweet, you know, (laughs) that's great news. You know, I don't know. I don't know how you process that information, but allow that statement to kind of wash over you and let it sink in that God loves you cares about you and desires to give you good gifts. Now, where on the spectrum should we land when it comes to the boldness in which we go before God? Like what kind of things are appropriate to pray for and what kind of things maybe aren't appropriate to pray for? Is there anything that's not appropriate to pray for? The the letter written by Jesus' brother, a guy by the name of James, literally Jesus' little brother. How would you like to have that role? Um, The book of James, chapter 4. James speaks to this issue. I I feel like he gives us a little bit of commentary kind of on Jesus' teaching here. And he says this, James 4, start with verse (coughs) 1. What causes quarrels? (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So he's, he's addressing kind of disunity in the church. He says, what is it that causes this? What does it cause you to kind of stab each other in the back and talk bad about each other, fight with each other, argue all the time, uh, that you're not unified as a body of Christ? What is it that causes this? And he says, he gives him a little clue. He says, is it not that your passions are at war within you? Verse 2. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. Covet is the Bible word for wanting things that aren't yours. 
Like I'm just constant in, in this constant state of, I got to have this. I don't have it. I uh, see somebody else has it. I want it. It's kind of jealousy and, and materialism or whatever all wrapped into one. And uh, he says, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask wrongly. So our question, is there wrong things to ask for? Evidently the answer is yes. You ask and you don't receive. Like Jesus has said, has told us, ask and you're going to receive. And James addresses the issue of when you ask for those things and you don't receive those things. Could it be because your requests are selfish and self-centered? They're covetous. They're uh, kind of, maybe maybe subtle. Maybe you don't even realize it, but in a way kind of evil, childish requests. Very selfish, very self-centered. He's like, "This, this causes disunity amongst you as a body when you're not thinking of others and only thinking of yourself. Only thinking of yourself. He says, so Jesus said, ask and you receive. And he says, but you ask and you don't receive. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. To spend it on your passions. So what do we do with this? How do we kind of make sense of what's going on here? First of all, I think, you know, how do we justify his, his, you know, James' word to kind of be careful with what we what we ask for to Jesus command to kind of boldly ask knock and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to receive. And how do you make sense of that? I think, I think the thing it really, the key really is there in that uh, being stirred up by our own desires and our own passions. I think one of the first things we as followers of Jesus Christ need to ask God for is that he would stir us up with his desires and his passions. that he, he would uh, cause us to, see needs that he sees, that, that our hearts would be broken by the things that break his heart, that our desires would align with his desires, that our, our, the big uh, requests that we make of him would go hand in hand with, with what is ultimately his will, not only for our lives, but for the world at large, that we should ask big, big, big things. So imagine just for a second that you get an audience with, uh, say, the president of the United States. You get an audience with me. You, you, you get to go to the Oval Office, have a, you know, mano a mano with the president, right? You, you get to sit across uh, there in the Oval from him and have a conversation. And, and uh, the president takes a liking to you, and, and uh, he says, you know, I, I kind of like you. I like the cut of your jib. You seem like a nice guy. You seem like a nice girl. Uh, here's the deal. You know I'm the president. I have a lot at my fingertips. I, have, I can accomplish a lot. I can get a lot of things done with just a word, with just a signature, I, I can do a lot as leader of the free world. And so, because I like you, and I think you're a nice person, ask of me anything. Anything under my control, I'll, I'll do the best I can to give it to you. And you sit there, I mean, that, that's not a conversation you expect to have every day, an offer you expect to receive every day. And you sit there across with the president, and you begin to think, what is it that I really want? What is it that I really want? And then your, your tummy growls a little bit. You go, I got it. Could you get a pizza in here? <laughs> Could you just get a pizza? I'm so hungry right now. Could you get a pizza in here? And the president is just jaw-dropped, dumbfounded. Because why? Because you could have got that yourself. 
Because like, there's a good chance somebody would have just given you a slice within the next day or two where you live in America, right? Like, like why waste this audience with the leader of the free world and this wish, grant of anything that you would want over something as trivial as something that you could have literally left and gotten on your own? And I think a lot of times we spend so much energy and effort Asking for God for things that are honestly under our own control. Like, God, grant me this when, you know what, if you just put a little work into it and did it, you could grant it yourself. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to take things to God, even small things to God. That's not the point. The point is, don't waste uh, the opportunity you have. Well, I'll put it up. Let's set it this way. Put it up. Uh, there we go. We ask for cheap trinkets, but Jesus offers us the kingdom. We ask for cheap trinkets too often when Jesus offers us the kingdom. You know what I know? Let me give you some examples of this. Uh, God is calling, you feel God kind of calling you to a a new type of uh, work, a new type of ministry. Maybe it involves a career change. Maybe it's just you kind of stepping on faith and trying something new that you've never been able to, you know, you thought you never couldn't do before, but you really feel God pushing you in this direction. And, And it has to do with bringing about the kind of kingdom change to this community that, that we talk about often. And you know what I know about this, that, this thing, that dream that God has planted in your heart, you share that dream with him. He will grant that request. He'll grant that request. You, maybe you've got a person in your life who is far from God, maybe even hateful, maybe even um, uh, position themselves as an enemy of God. And, and they, but you care about that person. It's a, it's a close friend. It's a family member or whatever. And in your mind, you have told yourself they are so far. Their mind is so detached from faith. They would never come to faith. There's not a chance of it. Do you know who else wants that person to see their life change? God. God will align with you on that. God will align with you on that. But pray that prayer boldly. Pray that prayer boldly, that person that you've given up on, that person you see no hope in ever changing. Pray that prayer boldly. You know, there's a prayer I I pray over this city all the time. I pray that that one day we would see 5,000 Dixonites come to Jesus Christ through through our ministry here. 5,000. That's about a third of our town. I I didn't get greedy, right? I didn't get greedy. 5,000. Why do I pray that? Because I believe if that many people came to a a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, this town would be transformed in a way that the world couldn't even explain. And I'm not just praying that we add an extra service. I'm not just praying that we, that we grow by a few people this year. I'm praying that, that God, because you know why? You know why I'm bold enough to pray that prayer? Because God wants all those people in a right relationship with him too. I believe he agrees with me on that request. It's up to him whether he grants it, but it, I believe he agrees with me on it. And so I, I will boldly, boldly pray that prayer every single day. What is God stirring up in your life that you feel like is beyond you, bigger than you, uh, beyond your talents or abilities or whatever? If you feel God is stirring up that, take that prayer to him boldly. God, you know I can't do this on my own, but with you I can do all things. With you I can do all things. Who has he placed in your mind that that you want to see come into a a life-changing relationship with him? Pray that prayer boldly. 
Maybe, but let's get a little bit more personal. Maybe there's an issue. Maybe you found yourself kind of in the pit, emotionally speaking. And you need to kind of hand up out of that pit. You need to be encouraged. Maybe there's something tangible that would encourage you. Some sort of uh, signal from God that he hasn't left you, that, that he still is on your side, that he still cares about you. Maybe you need something like that. Pray that prayer boldly. God doesn't want you living in that pit forever. He doesn't want that. Maybe there's some, some tangible thing that, that if God just blessed your family, it could be big, it could be small, but somebody blessed your family or your kids or whatever with, or your friends, and you think if this, if this thing could happen, man, it would, just, it would just show, it would encourage these people so much and it would show them that you're there and that you care. Pray that prayer boldly. You know, if you want to pray for small things, pray for small things, that's perfectly fine. But this is why I challenge you to pray for things. Things that maybe that you're not sure if it's God's will or not. Pray for those things in this way. God, you know my heart desires this thing. And, uh, and so I'm just going to offer that to you and just say, you know, if it's in your will. If it's in your will to, to bless me in this way, then would you do that? And I'll give you all the praise and all the glory for it. I won't take any of that for myself. But God... If, if, if in your great wisdom, you know that that's not for me, then I'll still give you all the praise and all the glory. I'll still do that. I trust you implicitly with my life. So bless where, because this, this, this is what we all know about God. Have you noticed that God tends to bless even people that are far from him? God blesses people that are even far from him. Like he, he rains down blessings on, on good people and evil people. He rains down people on blessings on church people and non-church people. He rains down people on blessings on Christians and Muslims. He rains down blessings on everybody. You know, everybody gets at least a few, right? I mean, everybody has some good things happen to them in their life that they don't deserve. God is just like that. He loves all of us. He loves all of us. So when we begin to pray to him, instead of praying selfishly like, God, you know, I want this, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, whatever, bigger house, nicer car, you know, faster boat. I don't know, whatever it is you might be praying for. Pray for his will in that situation. Pray for his will. God, if it's your will, then, then this, this would be great. If not, then, I, then I'm still going to give you the praise and the glory because you're awesome. But this is what I know. The prayers that you can boldly go before God, the ones that are in direct alignment with his kingdom gospel mission and we have in our bit like like if, if you're a person of faith you want to see god accomplish great things not just in your life but in our church and in the other churches of this community and other churches everywhere and in our community and in our world you want to see uh, as jesus prayed your kingdom come your will be done you want to see god's kingdom come and 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 him uh, be in Power and control and authority visible. Power and control and authority right here, right now, even as he is in heaven, right here, right, right there, right now. We want to see that. We want to see that, that. We want to see lives changed and families healed and restored. We want to see communities healed and restored. We, we want to see all of that. that God just kind of hardwires us to want those kind of good things. And the reason he hardwires us for that, the reason he's given you compassion where maybe once you didn't have compassion is because those things are in alignment with his kingdom purposes. Pray boldly for those things. Pray boldly for those things. Ask and you'll receive. But don't waste your boldness 
on your own passions and your desires. Instead, ask God to infuse you with his passions and his desires. God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Get me excited for the things that excite you. Give me your dreams. I submit to you my own dreams. Fill me with your dreams for my life. And get on the same page with God. That should be our prayer. God, we want to go where you're going. We want to do what you're doing. We want to help you stir up the things that you want to help that you want to stir up. Get on the same page with God. Pray in union with him on kingdom things. And then will he bless you with other things? Absolutely. Absolutely he's going to bless you. He's going to, is he going to give you every little thing you ask for? Do you give your kids every little thing they ask for? If you do, you're that person. So <laughs> God's a good father. God's a good father. He's going to give us what's best for us. He's going to give us, what's, he's going to give us things not only that we need, but he'll occasionally give us things that we want. Why? Because he's a good God. He desires to, to give us good gifts. He's just good that way. So go to God with bold, bold prayers. Pray for big things. Break yourself out of the kind of prayer box that you've put yourself in and pray for bold things. Believe him to do. But let, 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 once you submit that prayer to him, trust him to do whatever he knows is best and follow him. Because this is what I've learned so many, many times. There have been so many times in my life that I have prayed for specific things. And God has told me no or not yet. Only to give me a different type of blessing down the road that blew my dream out of the water. God loves us that way. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want because he realizes we really don't know what we want. We, sometimes we just don't know what's best for us. Put your life in his hands. Trust him implicitly. This would be great, God, if you'd give me this thing. But if not, you know best. And I'm still on board. I'm still on board. Amen? Let's pray. Just bow your heads right now. And, and, uh, and I want us to pray some bold prayers in this room this morning. Um, if there's a, a, a ministry or a, a new way of doing life, maybe, that you feel God has been nudging you towards, calling you to, would you just submit yourself to God and quit putting off that yes, quit telling him no, quit telling him not now, and instead, instead just say yes. God, you know, maybe I don't have the ability, maybe I don't have the time, maybe I don't have the resources, whatever, God, but I, I feel you calling me in this area, so I'm just going to trust that you'll provide everything I need, and I'm going to ask that, I'm going to boldly ask that you would provide everything I need for this thing that you're calling me to do. Is there a person in your life far from God, somebody that you genuinely care about? Maybe you have prayed for that person to come to faith for so long that you've given up on praying for that person. You have decided in your own heart that they're too far from God to hear his voice. Pray boldly once more. Lift that person's name before God this morning and pray boldly they would hear the voice of his Holy Spirit, that he would draw them back into a relationship with him, that they would, that he would send people that they know and respect and trust to help guide him back into a relationship with him, guide him towards true fellowship with him. Pray that prayer boldly. Is there, is there any of you that are, that are down, that feel weak, 
that feel dejected and rejected. And you could use encouragement. You could use a hand up from God out of the pit that you're in. Pray boldly that God would deliver you from that. Pray boldly that he would make his presence known to you and remind you that he is still there caring for you and he is still in control. Father, I love you so much. And I, I, I praise you and I thank you that you are a good God who enjoys giving his children good gifts. And so God, we lift up bold prayers before you this morning. We ask you in faith to do God-sized things in our life that we cannot do on our own. We ask you in faith to do the things that we are confident that you agree with us on, that you know, that we know that you want to do already. We ask you in faith to build your kingdom on your own and through us in the context where we are. We ask you in faith that we presume in faith that we will see hundreds if not thousands of lives come to a life-changing relationship with you through the work that you call us to do right here. We love you. And we just give you all the praise and glory this morning. God, I pray that you would forgive us when we pray according to our own desires and our own passions rather than embracing your desires and passions. God, we'll just trust you for the blessings. We'll just trust you for whatever it is you believe we need or whatever good gifts you want to give to us. And so as we lift up occasionally uh, prayers that might mean a lot to us or mean a lot to our kids or whatever that somebody else might call a small thing or a trivial thing, as we lift those things up to you, God, again, we just trust you. We trust you trust that you'll lead us in the way that you want us to go. And regardless of your answer to our prayers, whether our, whether you answer with a yes or a no or a not yet, we give you all the praise and the glory. We praise you in moments of victory and we praise you in moments of despair and we praise you in moments where you are teaching us patience. You alone are worthy of our praise. And we will do our best not to make that praise, not to make giving you that praise conditional on whether or not you have granted our latest request. We will praise you just simply because you are God and you deserve it. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.